From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on June 13th, 2023. Just so you know, some information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features reaction from several South Carolinians on the indictment of former President Donald Trump. Senator Tim Scott rolls out 140 South Carolina endorsements and his South Carolina finance team before returning to Iowa. We look at what lawmakers will be taking up on Wednesday when they return to Columbia, and we have the latest inflation numbers as well. The lead loves hearing from everybody. That's why we have a voicemail box set up at 803-563-7169. Give us a shout with your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. It is almost summertime, folks. It's June. The weather's nice. The living, I hope, is easy. Let us know. 803-563-7169. As of our taping on Tuesday, President Donald Trump is scheduled to arrive at the federal courthouse in Miami for his initial hearing following his indictment on 37 felony counts, 31 of which deal with classified documents taken with him after leaving the White House in January 2021. This is the first time a former president has been indicted on federal charges. Senator Lindsey Graham was on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos, and it was a bit of a tense interview with Graham who had several times brought up former Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton and the private email server she used as Secretary of State that contained dozens of classified emails but never resulted in any charges from the Department of Justice after several investigations. Here's Lindsey Graham and George Stephanopoulos. Well, here's what I believe. We live in an America where if you're the Democratic candidate for president, Hillary Clinton, Secretary of State, you can set up a private server in your basement to conduct government business. And when an investigation is had about your activity, no, let me finish. But you didn't answer the question. was ridiculous. Well, yeah, I'm trying to answer the question from a Republican point of view. That may not be acceptable on this show. Yes, I don't like what President Trump did in certain aspects. I don't like that Joe Biden had classified information on the garage. I don't like that Mike Pence carelessly took classified information. I don't like any of that. But what I don't like is a system in America where the secretary of uh, state, who's a Democratic uh, candidate for president, has people take a hammer to social media devices and break them apart, apply beach, uh, bleach bit to a hard drive to erase emails, allow classified information to get on a felon's computer, Anthony Weiner. You haven't even mentioned that. Most Republicans believe we live in a country where Hillary Clinton did very similar things and nothing happened to her. President Trump will have his day in court, but espionage charges are absolutely ridiculous. Whether you like Trump or not, he did not commit espionage. He did not disseminate, leak, or provide information to a foreign power or to a news organization to damage this country. He is not a spy. He's overcharged. Did he do things wrong? Yes, he may have. He will be tried about that, but Hillary Clinton wasn't. Your old boss committed perjury in a civil lawsuit 
lost his law license, obstructed justice in a dozen ways, and he didn't get prosecuted. I know he was impeached. Well, he was impeached, but he wasn't prosecuted. You, you've made you've made you've made your point. But you, you also said something that I believe Thank is not true based on what's in the indictment. You said that he did not disseminate any of this okay. information. In fact, there's an audio tape in the indictment where he's talking about the secret information, saying he knows it's secret, knows it's not declassified. Okay, let's let's talk about that. I don't know what happened. I haven't heard the audio, but look at who's been charged under Espionage Act. Julian Assange, Edward Snowden, Chelsea Manning, people who turn over classified information to news organizations to hurt the country or provide it to a foreign power. That did not happen here. Donald Trump, you may hate his guts, but he is not a spy. He did not commit, commit espionage. What he did is very similar, in my view, to what Hillary Clinton did. People in the Clinton case took a hammer to a Blackberry and destroyed it. They wiped clean with bleach bit emails. They said they were so all personal, but some of them actually were classified, and it wound up on Anthony Weiner's computer, and not a damn thing happened to her. Uh, Senator, first of all, she was fully investigated. They found no, the, the investigation found no <laughs> yeah, intentional right. yeah. holding back. And again, that was Senator Lindsey Graham on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos. But to add more context and clarity there, the Associated Press reports that of the roughly 30,000 emails turned over by Clinton's representatives, the FBI has said 110 emails and 52 email chains were found to have classified information, including some at the top secret level. After a roughly year-long inquiry, the FBI closed out the investigation in July 2016, finding that Clinton did not intend to break the law. The Bureau reopened the inquiry months later, 11 days before the presidential election, after discovering a new batch of emails. After reviewing those communications, the FBI again opted against recommending charges. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley, the former governor and U.S. U.N. ambassador, on Friday tweeted before the Trump indictment was unsealed that, quote, This is not how justice should be pursued in our country. The American people are exhausted by the prosecutorial overreach, double standards, and vendetta politics. It's time to move beyond the endless drama and distractions, quote. But after the indictment was unsealed, she changed her tune on Sunday in a Fox News interview where she said Trump was reckless with national security and some of her toughest criticism of him yet. Take a listen. When I was at the UN, I mean, I saw that the president never got an ounce of credit or a moment's peace. I also had to deal with the Russiagate because that's what they were swirling around all the time. And we saw that that was not a fact. Um, this is what I'll tell you. Two things can be true at the same time. One, the DOJ and FBI have lost all credibility with the American people. And getting rid of just senior management isn't going to be enough to fix this. This is going to take a complete overhaul, and we have to do that. Two, the second thing can also be true. If this indictment is true, if what it says is actually the case, President Trump was incredibly reckless with our national security. More than that, I'm a military spouse. My husband's about to deploy this weekend. This puts all of our military men and women in danger. If you are going to talk about what our military is capable of or how we would go about invading or doing something with one of our enemies. And if that's the case, it's in, it's reckless. It's frustrating and um, it causes problems. And, you know, we're looking now, this is the second indictment. We're looking at possibly a third indictment um, coming in with Georgia. My concern is not so much about how this 
you know, plays out and what we do with it. My concern is about the direction of the country. The fact that we cannot have Biden win this election. We cannot go through Biden or Kamala Harris winning this election. We've got to have someone that can win a general election. We've got to have someone that can right the ship on this country and get us back in shape, whether it's the border, whether it's crime. We've got to start doing that. And, and I think the time is now. And that was former Governor Nikki Haley there on Fox News. And Republican presidential candidate Senator Tim Scott also weighed in on the former president's indictment on Fox News, talking with Harris Faulkner. Scott said he would purge the Justice Department. Well, Harris, more importantly, I'm an American. And let's, let's, let's look at what's happening to an American. More important than Republicans or Democrats, red or blue, black or white, is this notion that our nation is the greatest nation on earth because Lady Justice has a blindfold on. That means that Republicans are not hunted and Democrats are not protected. It means that we look at every single case based on the evidence. And in America, every single person is presumed innocent, not guilty. And what we've seen over the last several years is the weaponization of the Department of Justice against the former president. You don't have to be a Republican to see injustice and want to fix it. You don't have to be a Democrat to see injustice and want to fix it. You just have to be an American and stand up for the right thing. I don't care whether you're on my party or not in my party. I don't care whether you look like me or not. The one thing that makes America the city on the hill is confidence in our justice system. And today, what we see is a justice system where the scales are weighted. That Mm. seems to be the outcome of where we are today. As president of the United States, I would purge all of the injustices and impurities in our system so that every American can have confidence that they will be seen by the lady of justice with a blindfold on. That is what we need in this nation, not more politicizing of the issues. Scott also announced on Monday in Spartanburg that he received the endorsement of 140 current and former elected officials in the state, including Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey, who said in a statement, quote, South Carolina conservative leaders are flocking to Tim Scott's campaign for president because they've seen his affirmational life story up close. Tim Scott is the real deal. I know he is the authentic conservative leader we need in the White House right now, quote. 28 other state lawmakers jumped on the Scott train as well as 18 mayors, solicitor Scarlett Wilson, dozens of city and county councilmen, on down to school board members, and even a few county soil and water commissioners. The endorsements even span the Republican ideological spectrum and include far-right supporters like Greenwood Representative John McCravey to Senators Katrina Sheely and Penry Gustafson. House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Bruce Bannister and House Education Committee Chairwoman Shannon Erickson also endorsed Scott. Even former House Speaker Bobby Harrell, who in 2014 pleaded guilty to six counts of misusing campaign funds, was on the list of supporters. This move comes days after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis prominently featured close to a dozen state lawmakers at his three campaign stops across the state. While you might say, oh, well, these are just endorsements, big deal. The announcement helps provide a show of force for Scott and the ability to tap into a local leader's network of supporters who can then help mobilize folks to knock on doors and volunteer to help get voters out for the February 2024 primary. Sticking with Scott, on Tuesday, he rolled out his 69-member South Carolina finance team, which included several prominent and well-known business and community leaders in the state, including the state's richest person. 
businesswoman, and philanthropist Anita Zucker. In a statement, Scott said, quote, I'm extremely fortunate to have such a strong foundation of support here in my home state. The enthusiasm gets stronger each day, and I look forward to meeting more supporters on the campaign trail. Together, we will restore faith in America, quote. Scott will be back on the campaign trail in Iowa on Wednesday, where he will hold a town hall. Now let's jump from the campaign trail to the state house, where on Wednesday, we'll see House and Senate lawmakers return to take up several remaining bills in the $13.8 billion budget. Lawmakers will gavel in at noon, but before that, there are three conference committee meetings. One is on H4023, which deals with changes to first steps boards. H3532 is the bond reform bill, and S108 deals with death benefits for law enforcement killed in the line of duty. We'll have more for you in Saturday's pod. And another thing we'll have in Saturday's podcast is whether or not the Federal Open Market Committee decides to raise or hold interest rates steady when they meet this week. We'll hear from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. And this meeting comes after the Department of Labor released new consumer price index numbers for May that found inflation increased 0.1%, and that rate for the year was at 4%. That's around half of last year's peak, but it is still double what the Fed shoots for, which is 2%. Core consumer prices, which excludes volatile food and energy categories, climbed 5.3% in May from a year earlier, but that's down from 5.5% in April. The price index for shelter was the largest contributor to prices, followed by an increase in the index for used cars and trucks. The food index increased 0.2% in May after being unchanged in the previous two months. The lead is still buying eggs. And while it's been a minute, we got a little special report from you from Scott Morgan. That's right, folks. The South Carolina Institute of Medicine and Public Health and the State Department on Aging say that 4 in 10 of the state's over 65 residents live alone and are at risk of isolation. The most at risk are rural residents, residents of color, and seniors with disabilities. South Carolina Public Radio's Scott Morgan has this report. Our epidemic of loneliness and isolation has been an underappreciated public health crisis that has harmed individual and societal health. That's not me saying that. That's U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, and he said it barely a month and a half ago. And let that sink in for just a second. We are so lonely and disconnected in this country that our top medical official has identified it as a legitimate medical threat that gets worse the older we get. Consider like an older adult who lives alone. Um, We've heard of instances where they're calling 911 because they are so lonely and they're seeking human interaction. Maya Pack is the executive director of the South Carolina Institute of Medicine and Public Health, which along with the State Department of Aging, has put together a plan of action aimed at reaching South Carolina's most socially vulnerable residents, seniors. We know that about a quarter of older adults in our country are socially isolated. You know, traditionally when you're talking about health, we talk about nutrition and exercise and healthy habits, but the issue of social connection is not traditionally part of the conversation. To put it mildly, social isolation is cancer to our mental health. You probably already knew that, though, given what we went through in the COVID pandemic. Less obvious, however, might be learning that social isolation can be equally ruinous to our physical health. Part of what we're doing here is shining a light on social isolation as something that can cause bad health. And the degree to which it causes those physical health problems is on par with use of tobacco or alcoholism. And so when you think about the severity of the impact, it's a wonder that we're not yet talking about social isolation as a health factor. 
Well, the Institute of Medicine and Public Health does want to talk about it. On June 13th, the Institute released a long-in-the-making report on isolation among South Carolina's older residents, and the numbers alone can be eye-catching. Almost 4 in 10 residents ages 65-plus live alone. Almost as many have some type of physical disability. And if you're a member of a community of color or an LGBTQ senior, those numbers get worse, as they do for rural residents and military vets. Social isolation leading to a lack of mobility or compounded with a lack of transportation is also associated with increased risks of dementias, heart disease, obesity, and premature death. And those are the problems in a nutshell. The question, of course, is what are the solutions? Step one of making inroads into this problem is making people understand that a big percentage of our seniors suffer with this, and it's negatively affecting their health in a myriad of ways that we maybe don't conceptualize. Erin Hare is the Associate Director of the Institute of Medicine and Public Health, and she wants you to be aware that the neighbor you might not have seen for a while, or who looks unkempt or frazzled, could be socially isolated, which you could address by checking up on them or saying hi when you get the mail. But in a very imperfect world, the reality is neighbors can only know what they happen to see which is why step two in combating the problem of senior isolation is calling upon the medical community to make a bigger attempt to screen for factors of social isolation in senior patients. It's also up to the healthcare system to start screening for social determinants of health in general and specifically for isolation because they can connect their patient with resources in the community. The goal is to find services and resources that can put people among other people which is a solution for those who can tap into those services, which not all of our neighbors can always do. Thanks, Scott, for that report. And if you like that reporting, check out his podcast series, Indebted. It's one of the best things that we've had on Public Radio this year, and it's super thorough, super interesting, and well done by Scott Morgan that you can find on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org, as well as other reporters slash friends of the pod at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Angela Schlickner, she's ours, she's ours now. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. And folks, we are back in studio. And with me is A.T. Mm. Shire, the mm. podcast producer. Oh. He's Ooh. back from his time in Charleston. Listen to this quality in-studio oh, audio. Oh, it's so good. My goodness. Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, thank you for having me back in the studio. <laughs> you <know? laughs> thank you for allowing me. Um, it's it's great to be back in Columbia. Yeah. Uh, three and a half weeks Columbia. in Charleston is just, Columbia. It's, it's too much for this Columbia guy. Yeah. Okay? I got to say. We always talk about that, right? Like, when I go down and visit my parents and I come back, I'm like, I just like coming back. I like to visit Charleston, yes. but like, I like to I mean, you were there, I mean, four weeks plus, like, okay, yeah. like, that's a lot. Like, it's I get lot. tired of it. I want, mm-hmm. I want to get home. Uh, but it's just, it's not as insane in Columbia. Like, that's what we oh, love about Columbia. I know. It's just yeah. chill here. Yep. I, you I, can I, walk on the sidewalks and have to fight people. <laughs> it was crazy this time. I yes. saw, normally every year in Charleston, when you're driving around, you see someone going at least one time the wrong way on a one way. <laughs> oh, no. You know, like it happens. Mm-hmm. This year, I saw it six to eight times. Uh, it was just too much for me. And the tourists, there were just so many tourists. 
crossing when you shouldn't cross. I saw it too. I was briefly walking on King Street. I'm like, it says don't walk. Don't go. You're going to get don't go. hit. I, I, I used to think if I ever hit someone. What we do indoors not walk. Wait, it would be, don't walk. It would be on Blossom Street here in Columbia. Yes. Oh, I'm terrified of Blossom. I drive during during uh, the semester, right? Yes. Now I'm sure it will be during Spoleto mm-hmm. when the mobs come. And I do think it's hilarious when all, all the, the, the cruise people. The boat, the, cruise. the deep honks, oh, bong, bong, and the boat calls them, come to me, my people. <laughs> anyway, Gavin, we're I, not here to talk about me right now, okay? I've never been down there. When, I've, I've seen the, I call it the fishtail. I don't say whale tail because that's something different. Mm-hmm. But you can see it when we you take the James Allen connector back over. I'm like, oh, and my dad and Colleen always like, oh, they're down. They're down there like they're there. It's 5.30. You get these deep, deep honks, yeah. and they all just stop, and they go back. You <laughs> They've know? been reactivated. Yes, it's crazy. Anyway, Gavin, we have some calls. I sh- I did a light shaming in the last episode. <laughs> Very light shaming. Very light shaming. It that was a little bit successful. That's the best shaming. I got to say, it was pretty it. Some people say it was the best. Anyway, Gavin, we got a call from a great friend of the pod. Are you ready? Yes, here love we, it. Here we go. Hey, y'all. This is Baby Mama calling again. I am... Free from school, at least from, you know, teaching school, high school. Uh, this entire week, I am driving from North Augusta up to USC and Columbia for a free grad course that is um, put on by the folks at Enlighten SC. Essentially, we're learning about economics, energy, and the environment. We're going to get to go tour a couple of power stations. It's a really interesting grad course, and it's free which is important when you are a teacher with limited funds. Um, um, my husband, who would apparently like to call his baby daddy, is um, taking care of his babies with me, taking our son to his camp and taking our baby girl all day, every day. So shout out to him for taking care of the family. I am looking forward to next week when I will not be doing this. But I will then be starting to teach a local, a local, teach at a local tech school. So, busy summer, not a long summer. Looking forward to some rest, though. Thanks for all that y'all have been reporting on. The, um, I, I hope that you get to come back very soon and rest. Um, AP, because it sounds like you have had a heck of a time. And, um, yeah, I hope y'all are doing well. Bye. Baby's mama, thank you for calling. Love that you're free, briefly free from the confines of teaching. I guess uh, <laughs> before you, you know, go yeah, teach again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but love that you're getting some good continuing education in there. Very cool course. It sounds like kind of want to take it myself. Baby's daddy, we salute you as well. Teamwork makes the family work. And uh, again, <laughs> I will agree that summer is never long enough. Uh, I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to take vacation. I have to take a vacation. I'll Everyone cra- knows. I'll get crazy if I don't take a vacation. Gavin knows he hates it. He, <laughs> we all know he hates to leave. <laughs> you know, it's the hardest when I have to go on vacation. Oh, he hates it. He hates You're it. going to Maine in this I am going this to summer. Maine. Yes, all my family lives in Maine. I go to Maine. I, I always talk about... Oh, Gavin says, oh, you can sit on the beach and read. I said, oh, yes, the the gorgeous beach, a.k.a. rocks next to water that's too cold that you can't go in it. You know? Oh, it sounds relaxing. Oh, you dip your feet in it and your feet ache. I uh, like to lay on the rocks. I love to lay on the rocks. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I love that when the the sun dips below the horizon, the bugs come out. Um, 
<laughs> I will. I, I think I'm going to be there for six days. Okay. I'm aiming to eat nine lobster rolls. Yes. <laughs> You so, always do like a solid tour of lobster rolls. Yes, uh, I have my spots. I have to hit Joshies. Joshies, Joshies, two, two mega lobster rolls for eighteen dollars. What did you have at one six seven? We we were gonna have dinner last Friday night. One six seven. I ran out of time. Yes, um, we got to at least see each other at uh, drinks around the corner from the bar. Tried to use Jay Jackson, father of this podcast, his reservation because the man tough. has a strong one. This was and tough. It was a solid like two hours. I was like, that's not supposed to be the. It case. was tough. It was tough. But you got to go. I got to because I had to go right off to a wedding party. But yeah, my would, friend. Chris, he came with me. I got the tuna burger. Yes, I'm, I'm big. Your You're big I'm on that one. Big into the tuna burger at 167 <laughs> Raw. I think it is one of the better things in Charleston. That restaurant is yes, the best <sighs> one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little too popular for me now, Ugh, well. and it, it sort of bothers me. Okay, where it's so popular that I'm like, it has to slip, you know, and then I go. And it's still just oh, as good. Oh, they keep it tight. It's like a steel rod. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I am impressed by that. And it, it is very, very good. But I got to say, our yearly end of Spoleto yeah, meal, yeah, we know. drive off and go to Obstinate Daughter mm. out on, I think it's Sullivan's or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it is. That. that place is amazing. I can't vouch for Obstinate Daughter yeah. enough. Oh, I got to say, Shea New in Charleston. Yeah, yeah, you and Killen, right? Shea New. You got to eat it, Shea New. It's a tough reservation to get, but it's also a place where even if I don't like a certain kind of food, if they put it in front of me, I will eat it. Mm. It's it's that good. That is saying something It's right there. very, very, very good. And unfortunately, we didn't have our annual dinner with my dad and Colleen. And- I was upset that I didn't get my salads. <laughs> I was also upset that you didn't come to Dock Street and record an episode I of The know. League. It, was, it wasn't right. Well, it, everything felt a little off this year. <laughs> I was in Iowa, New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, you were really going through. It, I was a little scared to get that energy on me. <laughs> uh, my feng shui was off. I gotta say, it was bad. <laughs> I do, I do, I do apologize for that. That is my fault. It's okay. It's all right. We're back here. We're in studio. We're safe. This we're safe. Everything is it, it's safe and and it's okay to do. Okay, so we're good. <laughs> Gavin, I, well, <laughs> I, I, I'm so happy to be back. Welcome back. If anyone has any uh, low-key heaters in Charleston, yeah. drop them in the voicemail, voicemail box. Okay, I need that. I need some cool places to go to. And if anyone, if you ever go back, <laughs> if anyone knows good pizza in Charleston, please tell me because it is a barren wasteland of bad pizzas. Okay, Put it out there, love it. Anyway, Gavin. Please Welcome back. Please. Put me out of my yes, misery. Will. Execute me, please. <laughs> me and baby's mama. No more talking like that. You're back now. Everything's going to be so much better. We're I going need, the up for the I rest need of the, the year. I need the and I need you there, okay? <laughs> All right. Anyway, bye. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. And you <laughs> uh, but be like baby's mama. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a voicemail, 803-563-7169, or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you guys. We love keeping everyone up. Um, share us your stories like AT was saying let us know about your Charleston journeys if you've been down there recently what you like what you like to do AO356769 you can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and don't forget to support your local newspapers for the South Carolina lead I'm Gavin Jackson be well South Carolina Track the trailers